Welcome to the Technology Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Today's show is brought to you by Active Campaign. Go beyond email marketing with True Automation by signing up at activecampaign.com slash technori and find out why I use Technori and Active Campaign and why you should too. Two months for free on me. Today's guest, Juked. Ben, the founder of Juked, is here. Uh, you see him sitting here, depending on how you watch this, either to the left of me or to the right of me. We'll see. Um, Juked right now is a company that is a one-stop destination for esports entertainment. You can check out their campaign where you can invest in them like all the other companies on my show, republic.co slash Juked, J-U-K-E-D. Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Scott. Okay, so I am a re recovering game person. I used to game like fucking mad. I was in the top thousand at one point in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 on the PlayStation Network. Um, I was talking KD ratios of being called a camper and sniping the fuck out of people left and right. And there was a bunch of other games, obviously Madden and FIFA and, and a bunch of stuff. I got to a point where I was gambling on it and I was having a good time. Um, and then I hit this like sort of, uh, my eyes and my hands and my reflexes were not as good as people your age and younger who were just kicking the shit out of me. And it was embarrassing and I couldn't <laughs> deal with it. So I stepped away. I, I hung up my, my controller and uh, now I have a family and I'm like kind of itching to get back into it just for fun. But I recognize this absurd in opportunity as an investor in esports. And I mean, we could go on for hours and have multiple podcasts about the different things that exist in the esports landscape, but you have sort of summed a lot of those things up into one spot and you just looking at your, your rig that you have right now with the chair and the headset, I know you mean business. So uh, yeah, that's I would right. love to learn right from you. What is Juked? Yeah, Juked is a one-stop destination for esports fans. And what, what, what I mean by that? So, I mean, as a traditional sports fan, if, if you are one, you probably go to ESPN all the time. You probably tune into SportsCenter. You probably have Bleacher Report or some kind of app uh, it, on your phone, sending you push notifications every single time your favorite team plays. Um, and while esports has grown exponentially over the last 10 years, nothing like this exists. So as an esports fan, you really have to crawl across the internet just to find something as simple as a schedule for your favorite tournament or to know when your favorite teams are playing. When you're watching the stream, you might not be able to find the brackets or standings or scores or player pro profiles, any of that information. Esports news is fragmented across dozens of community sites. So our goal with Juke is to create a single place where any kind of esports fan can find all of the information they need about all of their favorite teams, games, players, and so on, as well as tune in and watch the broadcasts, find all of the content and entertainment in one place for the very first time. Um, today, uh, streams are split across YouTube, across Twitch, and there's a real lack for this kind of content like SportsCenter that I talked about before that bridges the gap between esports communities, and that's really what we're hoping to do with Juke. So I think for, there's two ways to go about this. For the consumer audience member who might be interested in this, who's listening to this show, if you're a fan of like soccer, for example, it's fucking impossible to find what soccer game is on what channel at what time. And if it's Premier League or it's MLS or it's the Italian League or whatever it is, it's like, it's impossible. You have to download apps for every single uh, league almost or team to try to understand like what's going on. And, and Bleach Report does like a so-so job, but it's, it's not ideal. This is way worse. Like esports is absurd. It's hard with a bag of cash. It is hard to go find an esports team to back or invest in. It's that because it's that like 
fragmented. And the only ones you know of are the ones that are, you know, living in the same house in Malibu uh, that run Instagram accounts. Like that's pretty much the only ones that are super easy to find. So I, I, I dig this. We had, a, I'm sure you know the company because they're on, they're running campaigns right now here alive. And I, I like that it's not gaming per se, but it's born out of gaming um, where it's sort of creating this interactive experience. I am a huge believer that we will all become accustomed to, and you saw some of it during COVID, but we will all become accustomed to watching animated characters controlled by humans as a source of entertainment. And I think a lot of people still are disconnected on that and think it's like, you know, unless I'm a gamer, I don't watch other gamers and it just, young people don't view it that way. So I, there's a tremendous market here. So I would love to learn from you what was attractive to the market other than you get to probably game a lot, which, or maybe you don't anymore. I don't know. But uh, what was attractive about the market to you? And what about whether it's esports or the, the lack, I guess, the decentralization of esports as it pertains to media consumption? What drew you in about wanting to create Juke? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to have some context. I mean, if you, if you think back to 10 years ago, the term esports literally did not even exist yet. Yeah. And um, over the last 10, year, not, 10 years, not only has esports viewership uh, grown exponentially every single year, I mean, 15, 20% growth every single year, um, if not more, actually, in the early days. Um, and we see that trend continuing. You know, there's no signs at all that esports' growth is going to slow down in the next 10 years. Um, more games come out every single year. More of the world gets connected to the internet. And as I grow up as a millennial, as I grow up and my generation starts to have kids and and teach them about their favorite pastime and their favorite sports, it's going to be esports more often than traditional sports. Um, so, I mean, the, the market's clearly incredibly attractive um, and, and revenues are actually growing even faster than viewership. But it's also something that I personally am very passionate about. Um, I actually started playing games competitively way back in the early 2000s. Uh, and so it's, it's no stretch to say at all that this has been a 20 year long passion for me. Um, I actually had the chance to join the founding team at Twitch back in 2011. So um, not only did I get to take my passion for esports and make a career out of it, we got to ride that, you know, that amazing wave with Twitch through the Amazon acquisition for a billion dollars. So um, it, it kind of checks both boxes, man. It's, it's, it's a passion for me, but it's also an incredibly lucrative industry with insane upside potential. I think over the next 10 years, you know, right by all estimations, we're about 500 million people tuning in to watch esports every single year today. Over the next 10 years, I think we're going to get closer to a billion. Um, I don't see yeah, any reason I, why that's not yeah. going to happen. I totally agree. I, I think we're, honestly, a lot of people will say like infancy. I think it's in the seed stage because yeah. it, we're, we're talking, you, you pull back from esports and entertainment. We're talking about automation technology and tools and VR and different kinds of things that uh, robots and drones that are making people obsolete, jobs obsolete. That same thing exists in entertainment and what we do and what, how we do things, uh, watching games courtside. Like there's, I was just listening to a podcast with Bill Simmons where they were talking about um, the NBA and how they better get their stuff together before, you know, they don't want to start too soon because people can't go back in the stadiums and the viewership was kind of shitty, uh, even though, you know, no one had any sports to watch. And all these owners are just like chomping at the bit for people to come back into the stadium. And I'm, I'm thinking, ah, uh, I wouldn't chomp too hard because even with people coming back, the experiences with VR that I got to see through Oculus to watch the game courtside beat the shit out of standing in line in the middle of the night when it's cold as shit in Chicago to go home. Like that, 
it's not even comparable. So if I was a person who wanted to have a really unique experience, yeah, maybe occasionally I go to a game, but I would use VR. And my point of saying that is like the next evolution from that is actually playing, you know, NBA 2K with uh, with Kevin Durant or with Spencer Dinwiddie or other guys that play this, Juju uh, Smith-Schuster, you know, p- playing with real athletes and real games. And now you go from this sort of like, quasi-virtual, quasi-real world to like full-on virtual real, but you kind of shift positions, one you're playing and the other one you're watching and vice versa, that becomes more normal. And as you get to your kids and my kids, that's all they know. Like them, them using computers to play sports is the equivalent of us using computers to do work. So like to me, the, the, the growth curve, we haven't even hit it. You're just seeing like this like rise where it's like, oh, that's a thing. It's like Bitcoin in 17, like, oh, that's a thing. We haven't even hit the fucking hockey stick. And that yeah. to me is exciting as can be. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and there's all kinds of great market forces like mobile gaming and mobile yeah. esports oh my is, God, yeah. is now just emerging. If you look at countries like India and China, mobile esports is actually even bigger than, uh, than PC and console esports. And it there. will be and, and continue and, and to it, be. It's definitely coming to the West. 100% it's coming to the West. Um, so, oh. you know, I think the macro trends of just esports is exponential growth are really, really incredibly exciting. And, you know, we truly believe that uh, esports fans, uh, are, are their current situation is actually not ideal even. Uh, so we want Juked to be part of the acceleration of the growth of, of this industry and the media consumption. We wanna, we wanna bring more eyeballs to every single esports tournament and stream. We wanna help tournament organizers and esports teams monetize their audiences better. Um, these are a lot of our goals that you know, we, we're esports fans, right? My co-founder is just as big of a fan as, as, as I am. So we're doing this because we love esports and we want to see it thrive. We want to see it grow. And we think there's an incredible opportunity to create that central hub where every single fan is coming to check player profiles, scores, stats, schedules. You know, again, the push notifications, watch all of the streams as well as consume content like weekly podcasts, talk shows, things like that. You know, there really truly is no good solution for your average esports fan. So I obviously agree with you. Normally, this is where I go down the path of like, tell me why you're the one to do this. I think that's pretty clear. Um, I think anytime you talk to a founder, there's sort of this like outside of the box perspective of like, hey, you know, I don't come from this space. And I actually like that because that gives them sort of a clean, uh, clean perspective. But then there's also like, I need to know that you are uh, dis, you know, sort of disinterestedly passionate in it. It's just like nothing else matters. I just want to do this. And I come from it to a a point where I understand like the root of why people do things, which obviously you guys possess the whole Twitch story, I think is, is very fascinating, compelling. I actually think that the part, and I'm making an assumption here. uh, So correct me if I'm wrong. The part that you guys maybe are quasi foreign to other than the standpoint of like experiencing as a customer is the media side, the media buy side, the, the selling and building of a company that, that will, presumably accumulate a shit ton of eyes and then turn around and sell that. But I think that's offset really heavily by the fact that you are a a media consuming millennial that has basically been the influencer world like this whole time. Um, Tell me, I guess, a little bit about sort of how this business spins up into a a revenue churning machine and what maybe parts you still feel like you have to learn uh, or that are still kind of TBD. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things to keep in mind. I mean, first and foremost is the size of the audience, right? Once you have an utterly massive audience coming to the site every single week, every single month, every single day, there's a million different ways to monetize. But um, it's really important to also 
consider who those people are that are tuning in to watch esports broadcasts. Your average esports fan is much wealthier and much better educated on average than your uh, than your average East, uh, excuse me uh, internet user. So these people yeah. or just traditional income. sports fan for that matter. Yeah, exactly. You know, they have disposable income. They're tech oriented. They're always on the newest trends. They're going to be buying all of the newest uh, tech every single year when it comes out. So this is an incredibly attractive audience for advertisers. Um, and it's also an audience that we believe we can monetize in other ways outside of advertising, outside of traditional sponsorships. Um, so we're, we're actually really bullish about a premium subscription model where we'll have additional features as well as content behind a paywall. Um, so as we begin to scale over the next, you know, 10 years uh, from, you know, today we're about 50,000 active users on our site, um, which we've been able to do pretty cheaply, essentially paying zero in marketing that's been all organic. Um, as we continue to scale to 100,000, a million, you know, 2 million, 3 million, 5 million, 10 million, uh, and, and we, we expect that 2 to 3% of those people, it doesn't sound like a lot, but 2 to 3% of those people are going to upsell to pay, you know, 10 bucks a month for a subscription. And that quickly becomes a venture scale opportunity. You know, when, when you think about hundreds of thousands of potential people paying five bucks a month, that alone is enough to power uh, a tech company. So um, that's another really exciting model for us. And then the last part that I think is extremely exciting right this very second is esports fantasy and esports betting. Uh, because, yeah. um, it, you know, this has been a trend that everyone's like, it's a matter of when, not if. But the win just got pushed back, uh, pushed earlier, I should say, by five years. I mean, COVID has accelerated this um, absurdly. Everything. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, every sports betting and fantasy product out there had a couple of months when there was zero sports, traditional sports happening. And they all adapted esports very, very quickly, very, very early. So this is another trend that we think we can capitalize on and, and be really uh, a place where Esports fans today, they come to consume all their media, consume all the content, find all the information that they care about, you know, watch shows and podcasts. But we think that this can be also be a great entry point to playing esports fantasy as well. So those, those are the kind of models that we're thinking about that we think, um, you know, this audience is just incredibly exciting because of their uh, propensity to spend and because uh, their, their attractiveness to advertisers as well. Do you see yourself as, as a acquisition or, or marketing partner to those who like FanDuel, those who facilitate uh, betting, or do you view yourself as someone who actually like wants to get into the betting side of it, like the book side of it? Well, there's uh, obviously should go without saying, but there's incredible technical complexities, both from uh, the, the tech side, as well as the legal side from building fantasy, building sports betting yourself, especially in the US, you have to get a license for every single yeah. individual state. Um, which you need a lot of funding. Wait, yeah, we, we, we would need a whole lot more than the, the Republic million that we can we can't have it. Um, so um, actually, we do see ourselves as partnering up with existing providers, at least in the short term. So for the next yep. kind of two to three years, it would be a huge undertaking, to say the least, to, uh, to build that ourselves. So in the short term, you know, there are great opportunities to do affiliate models with these existing providers. Um, and we know that ARPU for, uh, for uh, better on DraftKings can be in the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. So you know, someone like DraftKings is willing to pay a finder's fee that uh, makes this very lucrative. Um, a whole lot of these products actually just do straight up 50-50 splits on the lifetime value of any customers that you refer. So 
um, there's a whole lot of ways to make this lucrative without actually having to do all of the technical work to build it ourselves. Totally makes sense. I, I love this. This is one of those scenarios where when I talk to founders of companies, I go, I love the market. There's no question it's going to be huge. Do I think you're smart enough or in the right position at the right time to be a part of it? Um, is the value good? So now we're looking at the deal, eight and a half million dollar value cap. <clears throat> People can invest in this company. To me, this could be gigantic. I mean, there's just no, there really is no way to, to, to truly like project it because um, at any given time, someone will hit the mainstream and someone will go, oh my God, and it'll take off. And you're seeing a little bits of it right now with a couple of different games that, you know, like Taylor Lorenz comments on, and there's a lot of influencer houses that are into certain games. Um, <clears throat> but this is, it's like teetering on, on hitting that mainstream. And when it does, the combination of gambling and just people consuming on it, I, I could see, you know, in particular with your company, you know, some of these other companies you talk to, it's okay that they use sort of arcane, arcane uh, revenue models to, to make money because it's, I would expect no less, insurance companies, et cetera. For yours, we're in this world where, you know, media and advertising and digital advertising is just like, it, it's lazy the way that people have been going after it and they're, they're paying the price for it right now. Ask BuzzFeed and the rest of them how that has turned out. Um, so I would expect that you guys would come up with some kind of interesting and, and, and different ways, unique ways to engage your user base and make money that collects, you know, helps lead gen or collects information or whatever the case may be for advertisers. But in truth, I really do think that it's not hard for you to build a cool content funnel that brings a lot of eyeballs and then paywall, subscribe to even donate to support your, your favorite players and teams, but then also sort of a Patreon piece to that. And then also the ability for you to just literally create content about what you need to know about esports and esports teams to invest or, or sorry, to, uh, to gamble on them. And then you're connected to DraftKings or FanDuel or whoever else jumps into this first and you make a shit ton of money on just that. And whatever else you do, doesn't even matter like that. There's enough revenue there if you catch the market. Yeah. And I mean, just to be super transparent with you, like we didn't set out necessarily when we first started working on Juke to build a sports betting company or esports betting. Of course. Yeah. Fantasy. Um, but the opportunity is so substantial that uh, we simply can't ignore it. And I think we are building an audience already of super engaged, hardcore esports fans. And uh, there's obviously so much synergy. If you're coming to Juke, to find the scores, find the stats, read all of the latest news about player transfers, and, you know, power rankings, then there's such a clear synergy there. And yeah, I think you kind of put your finger on, on one of the potential models for us. And I say one of the potential, not to say that we don't know where we're headed. We have a whole, no, of uh, course, whole yeah. list of, of monetization features, but there are so many different ways that we can monetize once we build this audience that, uh, you know, I think uh, that one in particular of like being the destination for all of the expert picks where you go to find who the best sports betting, esports betting, or esports fantasy player is and learn from them, learn who they're adding to their roster um, to optimize your gameplay on those platforms. Um, that's the type of thing that people are paying 25, 45 bucks a month just to, for subscriptions for that in traditional sports. So that's another great model. Yeah, and I just want to clarify, I don't think, um, I think if you guys had ignored the betting and fantasy, all of your members would have been asking for it. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't even matter. And I would, I would, you know, this is, there's a lesson that just happened that could be learned here. Um, you look at Barstool and the Penn national deal. So Barstool was just doing shit. People who like sports liked, and that was it. And like, it was good. 
and people think it's funny. And it's like, what is it? Davy Davy page views was his name for a long time. Cause he could get people to click on it. He wasn't like, yeah, they would talk about gambling and over unders and stuff, but it was, that wasn't the focal point. You were like, Oh, I'm going to barstool because of, because of betting. Like I just happened to bet and I go to barstool. Yeah. And if you look at a lot of the different companies, Vistin is the one that comes to mind. There's a few others that were built specifically to cater to betting. They've all failed because the content was not organic. They were from the very get-go, all they were trying to do was to convince you to bet on things. And it was obvious and the content wasn't supportive. So the companies have shit out and Barstool gets a huge investment, essentially ownership from Penn National. And I think that just paves the way for you to be like, hey, we could monetize, we could have monetization that is different based on the season. Like there's certain types of year where you're paying to join a league, paying to subscribe to follow something. And then you're not the subscriptions for five months for this one, you know, league of shadows or whatever else it is. And then there's another one where we've got uh, people who just pay per click, whatever. There's a million things you could do. The end game here, I think is if you build a platform where everyone wants, it's a, like you mentioned at the top bleacher report. If you have a place where everyone is going to follow it, whether they gamble or they don't. And then there is a segment of those people who do gamble and there's a segment who don't gamble, but still read the gambling stuff because they just want to know what, what's what, because that's a conversation that they have with people. You end up being an organic source, which is invaluable when it comes time for acquisition. So to me, that's what I'm looking at at this. And I'm thinking the price is right. Eight and a half million, I don't think is, is too expensive for where you are. I think you guys have been kind of rooted in this whole thing. And this is going to be a market that if it if it goes the way it looks like it should go, even if you are not, if Juke is not the place to go, you'll be a roll up somewhere, which makes you, you know, not a bad investment for anyone, I don't think. Yeah, and I, I think actually you touched on even yet another great point about the macro trends that we're seeing right now in sports betting in, in, in esports or sports fantasy, even outside of esports. I mean, Barstool Sports is doing it now. Just about two to three weeks ago, DraftKings and ESPN officially partnered up. This is, this is Disney. You know, this is not, this is not some side project that some, you know, some upcoming like indie sports site partnering with DraftKings. This Two years ago, they fired ESPN. journalists for talking about it. <laughs> they yeah, fired them for talking about sports betting. By Bob Iger, the, the CEO of Disney last year was quoted saying, I don't see the, you know, I don't see the Walt Disney company, you know, involved in sports betting, something along those lines. Sure. And here we are one year later. Uh, the pandemic may have something to do with it. Yeah, but, well, uh, you shut down all their parks globally and they need some money. Guess yeah. what? So if Disney can do it, I think we can do it too. I think, I think totally agree. Uh, this is awesome. This, um, this is, I love, I hope you guys are successful with this because I would love to have one place I could put on my phone and I can just watch and see what's going on. Um, very fascinating. Where do people go to to join and to follow and to become one of those users? Yeah, head over to juke.gg. You're going to instantly see every esports tournament that's live right now. You're going to be able to dig into the news behind the tournaments, behind the player pro, uh, player transfers, things like that. You're going to be able to get brackets and standings and schedules and player profiles and past results and more. Um, so head over to juke.gg. Do consider registering for an account. When you do register, you can, of course, customize your experience, set your favorite games and set your favorite teams. Uh, so so uh, definitely, if uh, you've ever been interested in esports, do check out juke. And uh, yeah, head over to Republic. You know, we're, we're fundraising right now. Uh, we're about a month into our campaign and we've raised over $550,000 so far. So uh, you're at 600 now, my friend, you're at 600. Oh, beautiful. You love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> even better, even better. Yeah. yeah. So this is the recap for people go to, to republic.co slash juked. 
$600,000 invested, 1,300 investors. They've got 190 days left. And I can tell you based on this, uh, they won't be lasting that much longer. It's not going to be 191 days, I can tell you. Uh, $8.5 million value cap, no discount on that, $100 minimum. Uh, I think people should check it out. I'm going to obviously do my technology pitch review on this company and on this conversation, which will be live in all of my social places. So you can catch this podcast and all the other podcasts like this, where you can invest in the companies on Spotify or Apple, wherever you do podcasts, go to technology.com, sign up for our newsletter, where I go into detail, why I like companies like this and why I did or did not invest. And of course the pitch reviews at Katoon or at technology and all things social. Boom. That's a wrap. Mm-hmm.